Good morning. Oh, this font is nice. <laughs> um, oh, I had a, a bit of an icebreaker this morning because the microphone wasn't working, but I haven't got that now. So, But I will start with, um, I'm wearing the only the brave wristband because I think you have to be brave to be up here and share anything. Um, Tales of the Unexpected. That's what the series has been about for the last number of weeks. And um, the Old Testament is full of tales of the unexpected. Because no matter how you start to read some of the accounts in the Old Testament, how it ends is really not what you were thinking. Um, for instance, the, uh, the donkey that speaks. A bit scary. <laughs> but, you know, there's lots of tales that have unexpected endings in the Old Testament. And the one I want to look at this morning is Abraham. Uh, and I'm looking at Abraham and Isaac. And, um, and the unexpected thing, I think, with this Abraham and Isaac story is the fact that uh, he was 75 years old when God gave him a promise that he would have a son. 75. Now, that's shocking. 75, I mean, honestly. But um, he was 100 when Isaac was actually born. His wife was 90 when she gave birth. That is a real scary thought. But you know, the promise started to unfold for Abraham at 100 years of age. And he had that promise at 75. Some of us can't wait five minutes, never mind 25 years for something that God has promised us to come to pass. The promise was unfolding. He and his wife had waited a long time and then God decided he was going to test Abraham. Genesis 17, way back, I'm looking at from Genesis 22, but just to pick up one verse in Genesis 17 where God says, Abraham, Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Now that is a hard, hard order, hard act, hard thing to follow, to walk before God blameless and faithfully. So we're picking it up at Genesis 22, and I'll just read the first bit. I just want to read the first verse where it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. There are all kinds of tests, aren't there? I did one this week, and uh, fortunately I passed, so I was happy. Um, it would have been a very different... I probably wouldn't have mentioned it, actually, if I'd have failed. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, uh, but I passed, so I'm able to mention it. I passed, so that was good. But we have all sorts of tests, don't we? Tests on your knowledge of a subject. Tests on a process. We have tests of, you know, what sort of leader you will be. We have medical tests. All sorts of tests. But do you know, when God says he's going to test you, we should count that as a privilege. It is a privilege to be tested by God. James 1 verse 2 to 4 says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced 
into the open and shows its true colours. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. It's a privilege to be tested by God. And here I want to say, let's not confuse testing with temptation, tempting. It's a very different thing altogether. Because James 1 also says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And as I was looking at this this morning, um, 1 Corinthians 10.13 actually mentions about you know, being tempted. You know, God doesn't tempt us. But he does say, when temptation comes, he will show us a way out of it. And this morning, I just want to say, and it's something I put in this morning because I, 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 I felt God had dropped it in, in my heart to say it, and I will say it. Temptation can destroy you, but God testing can only make you strong. There's a big difference. If you feel you're in a, a, a tempting situation at the moment, um, you know, there's something going on in your life, you know who you are, if that's happening to you. But what I'm going to say to you is this. There's a way out. God has provided a way out. His words say so. He's provided a way out and you should take that door. Because if you don't, it could destroy you. It could destroy your relationships. It could destroy a lot of things. So what I'm saying to you today is temptation can destroy you. But God's testing can only make you stronger. So Abraham was tested. And it was to see where he was with God. You know, could he be obedient? You know, things were happening to him. He'd got his son that God had promised. But now God wanted to know. Because, I mean, he waited 25 years for this lad. So you can just imagine, he probably worshipped him. It was his son. But you imagine when God calls him then to do such a thing. He's been tested. It was the same for Job, as you know. Job was tested, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? There's faith for you. Would we stand that test? You're tested more than you think, maybe not to the extreme of Abraham or Job, but you're tested all the same, and we're tested all the time, I think, because there are always things that come up before us that we have to make decisions about. The thing is, how do we do in that test? Are there things we need to revisit? We need to read up on. We need to see, you know, where did we go wrong? Is this what we need to do? There is an old saying, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Because that's where we're at. This is the test. So the task, Genesis 22, verse 1 to 5. I've read some of it already, but I will read the rest. I'll read from verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. 
So Abraham's test was to go on a journey with his son Isaac and to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. But verse 4 says, On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Now, that must have been some journey, three days long. I'll tell you, after the first day, I'd have been packing up and going home because I don't think I would have been able to stand it. But three days later, and he still hadn't arrived. And I dare say during those three days, he had plenty of distraction. You know, he was with his servants and his son. They probably had plenty of conversations about lots of things that were going on, you know, in their households or wherever. But I'm sure in Abraham's mind, like in any of us, we would be thinking, you know, every so often we'd be drifting back to what God had asked him to do, what God has asked us to do. You know, you can't get it out of your mind. What are we going to do? I often wonder how far I would have got before I looked up. I think I would have been, you know, mournful, fearful, disappointed at what God had asked me to do. My eyes would have been on the ground, but not Abraham. He looked up. And I believe he looked up and he saw the place and he knew God was with him. Whatever was to happen when he got there, he just kept looking up. We do not know what awaits us. Sometimes we think we know what God's plans are, but we don't. But he's able to keep us on that journey. He's really able to keep you, to keep me, but we have to just look up and see him. Psalm 100, no, before that, Matthew 14, 24 to 33. I'm not going to read it all, but it talks about when Peter stepped out of the boat, you know, in the lake, uh, and Jesus, he said to Jesus, you know, if that's you, tell me to come. And uh, Jesus said, you know, it's me, come on. And he steps out of the boat. And the Bible says, Peter saw the wind. Now, you and I know wind itself you can't see, but you can see the effects that wind has on your environment. And obviously, as he was in the lake, there wasn't a lot else to see apart from the the water around him that was probably, you know, blowing and, you know, churning up under his feet. And he probably, and he obviously looked down because he could see what was happening around him and he started to sink. And then Jesus stretched out his hand and grabbed him and put him to safety. Now, If he had kept his eyes on Jesus, I believed he would have walked straight to him and probably to the other side of the lake. But because his eyes went down, because his eyes looked on his surroundings, looked at the situation, he lost it. He lost it all and he just thought, I'm going to sink. He doesn't realise that the man that called him out of the boat has let him walk so many steps already. He just thinks, I'm going to sink. And God reaches out and grabs him. If he had kept his eyes on Jesus, if he had looked to the goal, to Jesus, I believe he wouldn't have sunk that day. So Psalm 121 says, I look to the mountains. No, I look to God where my help comes from. Abraham looked to God. What can you possibly see looking down really? Your feet, the carpet, you know, somebody was telling me in between the services about their dad. He always looked down and he always found money, lots of money. <laughs> Maybe I should have a different message this morning. No, 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 no. 
<laughs> no, it's definitely you need to look up and take in what God has for us. Abraham was looking to God. So what can you see looking down? I don't think there's a lot to see. But there are lots of positive things to see when you look up. You see the situation completely different. You see your surroundings. You see the landscape. You see the scenery. You see people. You see the goal that you're heading for. And I believe that, you know, sometimes we need to get our eyes off the situation and look up to God where our help comes from, where our strength lies, where our faith is. But sometimes in these situations, there comes a time where you have to go it alone, if you know what I'm saying. You know, as much as you can have as many people around you, sometimes it's you, God, and the situation, or you, God, and that thing that you love, or you, God, and, you know, people, person, people, other people in your lives. I don't know. You know that. But there came a time when Abraham said to his servants, you stay here and look after the donkey. And me and Isaac will go on ahead. Sometimes we have to come to God alone. And we have to look to him for our strength in difficult times. Do you know there were times when Jesus had to be left alone? And I think one of those um, amazing times was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, you stay here and pray and I'm going over there. He went on his own. There's nobody there with him. But it was there that he met with the father. And we know he sweat drops of blood, etc., etc., because, you know, of the, what he was going to do, what God, his father had asked him to do. But I believe as he looked to the father, I believe he saw me. I believe he saw every single one of you, our loved ones, wherever they are. I believe God saw Jesus saw us in that garden when he was praying. It wasn't just about the cross. He could have quite happily not gone there, I think. But he knew that was the only way that we could be safe. That we would be protected and we would be kept for God. So I believe he looked up to his father and he saw us in the distance. Rachel referred to Job last week and, and really saying his friends were of no use to him whatsoever, which they weren't. He might, they might well have not been there. You know, we all have friends like that, don't we? They're not very encouraging at all. And, uh, you know, he would have been better off on his own, like Abraham was. And I felt like that quite recently, actually. You know, I felt quite tested in my work. Um, I work for the NHS. I manage a team. And as you can imagine, lots of different people with different personalities and characters. It can be hard. But I had gone to a place where work was, I was very busy at work. And, um, and I found that I was going in early, finishing late. You know, I missed the prayer meeting, the work prayer meeting, which I loved so much. And I was missing that because things had happened. People had appeared, you know, wanted meetings, etc. Et and it was getting to the place where it was really, really difficult and I, you know, and I enjoyed my job. I really did. I really loved it. And now I, I like aspects of it. But, you know, one of the things, my mum had a saying that I will say to you. This is the Caribbean side coming out of me. Um, and one of her sayings was, and anybody who's from the Caribbean will know exactly what I'm saying. She used to say, be careful that what sweets you doesn't sour you. 
And really, basically, what she was saying was, you know, sometimes you can have a good thing, things can be going great and whatever, then all of a sudden, they have a, a knack of turning on you and suddenly the thing that you loved, that you thought was great, suddenly has become something that you hate and you'd rather not be involved or be there. Be careful that what sweets you doesn't sour you. And I found that I was struggling, you know, with work and then, you know, structures wanted to be changed, the NHS. Anybody who works in the NHS knows what I'm talking about. You know, they want to restructure, etc., etc. and people get a bit unsettled and a bit frightened and, you know, you get all the talking and the backbiting and it, it has been a very tough time for me as a manager to manage that team. But... I found that my eyes were always down. It was on the situation. How am I going to do this? How am I going to sort this out? And I really believe that God had said to me, Pat, you need to look up. Look to me. Because your strength is in me. It's me you need to look at. So this morning, if you feel that you're struggling with a situation, look to God. Because I tell you, he's got a plan, a perfect plan for you. And I believe for me, the test was that, so that I could see what was happening in my life and it needed to be put right I had to go it alone but in saying that I was grateful to work colleagues and folks in Zion that prayed for me and still praying for me through this difficult time I believe it was important though that I had come to a place where I could say on my own well God you know what it's not just the environment and the workplace there's something in me that needs to change it was between me and God so on Abram's journey verse 7 his son Isaac says, well, Father, you know, we've got the wood, we've got the fire. Where's the lamb for the offering? Sensible question. And Abraham said, God will provide. And I mean, I can imagine, I mean, my eyes would have been up in the back of my head. Yeah, right. You know, sort of thing. And I would have 20 questions to say, hang on a minute. What do you mean God will provide? You know, how many lambs do you know live on top of mountain tops? Where are we going to get this lamb from? I'd want to know everything. Who's it going to be? What's going to happen? I'd be asking so many questions. But he said, God will provide. And you know, Isaac never said another word. And I just, I find that amazing. But I believe he trusted his father. And he trusted that his father knew the father, God. And he trusted God. And I think he was brought up in that sort of environment where he knew that God could do anything. At this point, I believe that Abraham must have thought, if I have to do this task, then God is going to bring Isaac back to me somehow. I really believe that. After all, God had made him a promise about his son, Isaac. He named the boy, for goodness sake. Why would he want him to kill him? But he knew that he had to be obedient to God. And verse 5, I thought, was key in what Abraham was thinking. Because in verse 5, he actually says to his servants, you know what, you stay here and look after the donkey. We, me and Isaac, are going to go up to the mountain there, we're going to go over there, and we're going to worship God. And then he said, and then we will come back to you. We. Why would you say that? He believed that Isaac was coming back. I really believe he believed that because at the end of the day, he was promised to him by God himself. And he knew whatever happened, if he killed him, and he, God would bring him back to life. He didn't know how it was going to work out. He was just going to be obedient and follow. And then the story goes on where, you know, they get to the place that God had talked about and um, Isaac's there on the altar and... 
Abraham is just about to kill his son. And um, this is my second look up. And it said, Abraham looked up. He saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. Abraham looks up again. But obviously he was about to kill him. But at this point, you see, the angel of the Lord spoke to him. And he said, you know, don't harm your son. And there was a way out. There was something else that could have been done. God had a plan. It wasn't what we thought. It wasn't what Abraham thought. But God had always had a plan. Every time we look up, we see something different. We see God. And we see his plan for our lives. It was about being obedient. 1 Samuel 15, 22 To obey is better than sacrifice. It's all about being obedient and trusting God's plan. When you are obedient and trust God, it brings blessings. And then Genesis 22, 13 to 18, where it says, The angel of God spoke from heaven a second time to Abraham. I swear, God's sure word, because you have gone through with this and have not refused to give me your son, your dear, dear son. I'll bless you. Oh, how I'll bless you. And I'll make sure that your children flourish like stars in the sky, like sand on the beaches, and your descendants will defeat their enemies. All nations on earth will find themselves blessed through your descendants because you obeyed me. It's all about being obedient. It's not necessarily the sacrifice that God is looking for from you. And I have another story to tell you. It's about a friend and colleague of mine who's um, she's planning to move down south. Uh, she, we work together and, um, and she's had a bit of a tough time up here. Her parents live down south. That's where she came from. And, uh, and she really felt a couple of months ago that, you know, God wanted her to go back. She's got four children and, it, you know, it was, it was going to be difficult taking them away from their friends and that. But she really felt it was the right thing to do. A couple of jobs came up and one in particular she applied for. And she went down previously to this hospital trust to see what it was like. And she thought, yeah, you know, she felt God's peace there. So she applied for the post. She got an interview. But when she went down for the interview a couple of weeks later, she just felt so uneasy about the whole thing. And, and, you know, she really found it strange. And she thought, if I got the job, I would have to probably refuse it because she just didn't feel right about it. And uh, she came back and we were talking about it. And she said, you know what? I was so sure God wanted me to do this, to move. I, I was so sure he wanted me in that place. And I remember saying to her, and I don't know why, I don't know why I thought of it. I felt it was something that God had just dropped into me. And I just said, you know something? There's a ram in the thicket for you. And she was like, you know, she probably thought, what on earth are you talking about? And I said to her, it's not about the sacrifice It's about being obedient. You were being obedient to God. He was guiding you to go down and you felt it was right. So it wasn't about that job. It's just about you being obedient. And then a couple of weeks later, she saw another post and she really thought, you know, this is for me. And it seemed to fit her whole lifestyle and everything. And she applied and she got the job and she's moving in a couple of weeks' time. Sometimes it's not what you think. We, have, we, we come to God sometimes with our preconceived ideas and we think, yeah, we know what you're going to do, Lord. You know, this is your way, this is your plan. It's not necessarily so. We need to learn to trust God. 
because he always has something better for us. We need to learn to look up, look in the distance because his plans and purposes for us are better than you think. We just need to be obedient. We need to look up and see the ram in the thicket. You think you know the outcome, but it may not be what you're expecting. This morning, you may feel as far away from God as you ever have been. You may feel that you've been in a very, very long test and you just cannot see where it's going to end. You may feel that you've never really known God, but you come to church because that's what you do. You may feel you have let God down and there seems to be no way back. Basically, this morning, you feel like you've failed his test. But Luke 22, 31 where Simon Peter is going through that, you know, it's just before he he disowns God, Jesus, as it were, and says he didn't know him. It's before that. And Jesus said, Satan has asked permission to sift you as wheat, Simon Peter. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have returned, strengthen your brother's. And as you know, he did fail. He did say he didn't know Jesus. But there was a time when he came back. He came back and he came back stronger than ever. So what you've got to remember is, is that, you know, Satan, the enemy of God and his his people, has decided to sift us as wheat. So sometimes when you're in the sifting stage, you might feel, you know, I just cannot go on with this. But you've got to remember that you're being prayed for. That God is praying for you, that Jesus is praying for you to his Father. It says that in the scripture. He's putting you before the Father all the time. Simon Peter returned to God. And well, you know, the rest is history. He came back better than ever, stronger than ever. And saw so many people come to know God. So the test may be hard. But we look up to God where our strength comes from. Enjoy the journey, taking the scenery. The task may be daunting, but we look up and we see there's a ram in the thicket. It may not be what we thought. And there is something else that will bring blessing to our lives and to others. You know, runners look up. They see the finishing line in the distance. And that's what they're heading for. They look up. They don't look down. They look up. People on their deathbed, it has been said, that they look up into the distance. And I was with my father when he died, and I remember, you know, seeing him. You know, just before he died, it's like he looked. He could see something in the distance, see someone. So I knocked my teeth out. In the distance. And, you know, and to me, we've got to look up. He saw, I believe he saw the God he served. He was looking in the distance to where he was going. He wasn't worried about around here. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1.12, but I have no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. We need to look up to the one who watches your back, even in the testing, during the task, and when you are enjoying the blessing. You've got to keep looking 
up. I just want to finish with the psalm, and if the band wants to come back, thank you. Psalm 121, and I'm reading it from the message because I just thought it looked at it, it says it so well, um, and in a way we can understand. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from mountains? No, my strength comes from God, who made heaven and earth and mountains. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fail you. He won't fall asleep. Not on life, not on your life. Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep. God's your guardian, right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke, sheltering you from moonstroke. God guards you from evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. And um, really, that's the end of my message. But I do want to say to you, as we go into a time now of of, uh, reflection, maybe you need to respond in some way. Maybe you need to, maybe you need prayer. Only you know that. And maybe you want to come forward and, and, and be prayed for. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Or maybe you're quite comfortable to sit in your seat and deal with it yourself between you and God. You already know what you've got to do. But I'll tell you now, you need to look up. doesn't matter what situation you're in, God is there. You need to see him in the situation. You need to see him in the problem. You need to see him in the disappointments. You need to look up. Don't look at what's around you. Because when you look around you, you are disappointed. Because you're looking at yourself and you're looking at man. And ultimately, it's God where our strength comes from. So if you feel you need prayer, support in any way this morning, please come forward. And if you're the one that's in that tempting situation, then I tell you now, there's a door. There's a way out. You need to step through it because it could destroy you. God only tests us and it makes us strong. Just um, a couple of quick things. You know, for, for some of us here, I think what God's doing is, is, is those of you that are in a situation where you just, you're, in a, you're stuck with something and you just don't know how God is going to solve it. And it's just that kind of encouragement to look up you know, and see that actually God will provide, but it might not be in the expected way. But there's another dynamic here. At the first service, a couple of people shared some stuff around the whole area of being tested and perhaps failing a test. And we're at that season, and many of you younger guys, you've had your results, and some of you are happy and some of you aren't. But someone came to me after the service and said, listen, I want you to tell people that with God, there is unlimited resets. Do you understand what I mean by that? There's unlimited resets. And failure with God isn't when you fail. It's when, it's when you don't get up again. It's when you don't look up. It's when you think, oh, I've messed up. You know, Peter failed, but God restored him. There is unlimited resets with God. And if this morning you feel that you have been tested and you failed a test, there's one thing that the enemy would want to do and it would keep you looking down. And God says to you this morning, look up. There's unlimited resets with God. Do you know that? No matter how many times you think you failed, you may have failed a test, but you haven't. Fa- you are not a failure because of who God is. And so perhaps that's an encouragement to some of you this morning. You're stuck and you don't know how God will do it. Look up.
you think you failed and you can't go again, look up. There is unlimited resets with God. We're going to sing this song one more time. And if there's any of you that want prayer, all that's happening here, if you're new, okay, is people are just coming out and we're just praying with them. Okay, it's not weird or wacky or anything like that. We're just praying, just asking God to help them. And if that's you this morning and you want someone to pray for you, we would love to pray for you. That would be an honor and a privilege, okay? So we're going to sing the song one more time. And if you need to respond to God, I want to encourage you to do it. Just just respond to him. He's a loving God. He loves you, okay? He's not the one that tests you and puts an F and that's it. You're out. You failed. That's not who God is. He's the unlimited reset God. And so his invitation is to you today. So if you want prayer, come as we sing this song one more time.